For many of us, basketball is life. It provides athletic and character-building opportunities and bridges societal and cultural gaps locally, nationally, and internationally. That's the mission of the Basketball Embassy, and this is United We Hoop. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Dial. I'm the founding president of the Basketball Embassy, and we are launching our United We Hoop podcast. This is episode one, and I have a very dear friend and distinguished guest in Dr. Amir Turam coming to us uh, live here from Istanbul, Turkey, uh, one of my favorite cities on the planet. Amir, I want to introduce you here in a second, but I want to let these uh, viewers and listeners know that the Basketball Embassy is essentially an organization that's used basketball as a tool uh, to do a number of different things. Uh, aside from building players and teams and programs all over the world, uh, we're also trying to build good people and uh, use the game to dissolve barriers and unite people uh, in the best way that we can. So this podcast over the course of uh, the next few episodes, are we're hoping to reveal some incredible stories and feature people like you, Amir, uh, that have been integral ambassadors to the game of basketball for so many years. So I want to introduce you and I'm going to keep your bio short because if I went into everything that you've done, we could, we could make that an episode in itself. Dr. Taram here, uh, my, like I said, very good, very dear friend of mine has been a mentor, but has been a staple, not only in Turkish basketball, but also in European basketball. As the Turkish Basketball Federation has risen to a top 10 standing and consistent standing uh, in the world, Amir, his colleagues, the Federation itself, it was the forward-thinking efforts of, of you guys that basically propelled the basketball in Turkey to where it is now. Amir has continued to serve the game, um, sitting on numerous committees with the Olympics and with FIBA Europe and FIBA World, and he's you know he frequents world championships and get-togethers and gatherings. He speaks. He's also a professor, a lecturer in Istanbul. This is one of the most knowledgeable uh, men that I've had the privilege of being around. He's put a put a preface on education and emphasis on uh, expanding your mind and understanding how the world interacts. So, Amir. Welcome and thanks so much for uh, doing this with us and, and helping us kick off the United We Hoop podcast. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity. Happy to be here. So, Amir, I just want to get right into it, man. I uh, people have asked me since we started, like, what is the Basketball Embassy and what you know, what the heck are you guys doing? I try to tell some of those folks, depending on how much time we have, about my first couple of trips over to Turkey. So, you and I had never met, you know, in person when we started talking. Uh, over the phone, you know, back in the day, it was usually Skype uh, or exchanging emails. And I was learning a little bit about this Turkish Basketball Federation grassroots program, you know. So can you maybe take us back, you know, 10, 11, 12 years, you were heavily involved in the state of things and in this country, 80 plus million people that found this incredible passion for basketball and you guys were doing some really cutting edge things in terms of grassroots development. You had this all inclusive mentality. Can you talk a little bit about how that program, you know, kind of started? And I think that'll help contextually pave the way on how you and I got connected. Thank you once again. I'm very happy to be here, Chris. And you're taking us back uh, quite a long time, actually. You know, I think we have to go back 13 years at least. For a general understanding, I might need to remind any, all the listeners, viewers from the U.S. that the structure, the youth structure of basketball is a little different overseas. Um, where uh, in America you have the schools as the primary platforms where players are developed, all the levels up the education ladder, you know, junior high, high school, and then college and everything. And then you prepare your players. And if they're good enough, they get drafted to the NBA. Or if they're not, they play in some other leagues or go to Europe. Overseas, it's not like that. Overseas, the schools are not the primary actors in players' development. The clubs are. The clubs can be uh, compared to um, the NBA franchises in our caliber, let's say. They have their professional senior teams, but then all the way down the 
age ladder, they have their development platforms of younger players. They can be boys and girls and in their different categories. And um, so if you ask a question, where are basketball players developed overseas in countries like France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Turkey, anywhere, Russia? The answer is in the relative platforms of the basketball clubs. Um, having said that, the national federation, the Turkish Basketball Federation is nothing different than USA Basketball. It's the official entity coordinating, governing basketball in the country. And it's affiliated to FIBA, the International Basketball Federation. And FIBA has 213 member countries all around the world. And Turkey is one of them, just like USA is another one and all the other countries. And we had a general strategic program to develop basketball. But when we say develop, it doesn't just mean increase returns and revenues. That's the professional side. But on the other side, it means making basketball a better known, better followed <coughs> sports. Right. Now, in Turkey, football is number one, like in many countries in Europe. Right. And basketball is number, sec number two after football. And there's a pretty wide gap in between. So basketball probably will not aim at overtaking football in a close future. But still, the goal is to increase all the factors, number of licensed players, number of coaches, number of referees, results on the court, revenues off the court, sponsorship deals, right. um, and all of that. So we had a strategic program. And one of the anchors of this development was getting international events to Turkey. International events are multi-country tournaments, the official ones. And an important one is the European Championship, which is a continental championship. And above that is the World Championship. Another one would be the Olympics, but that would not be a sole basketball goal because it's a multi-sport event. So we started and the first goal was to get the European Championship to Turkey and we succeeded in doing that in 2001. We wanted to create a brand which represented our senior basketball team who would take part in the Eurobasket a few years from then because we wanted to inspire young people. So the brand we came up with was the 12 giant men. This is comparable to the dream team maybe when the NBA players first got the opportunity to play in the Olympics in Barcelona in 1992. The US team came up with the notion of the dream team. It really was a dream team, you know. Dream players came together, they won all their games with nothing less than 30, 40 points, etc. I can translate for our Turkish, the, the 12 giant men is Oniki Devadam uh, basketball school, you know, in case. Right, we, right. So, so we developed that concept and it had its own song, hymn, uh, theme song, and it had its own dance for the fans to dance together in the stands. And we had a lot of social programs related to it. And then we had the 12 giant men basketball academies, which was for young children and they could uh, go and practice basketball there and that was all over Turkey nationwide and then we had summer programs where we brought in um, distinguished American coaches and Chris Dial was one of them at the time and we um, organized summer camps kind of like American summer camps so we bring kids to facilities for a week six to eight days and they stay there eat there live together play together practice basketball together learn together and um we did that every summer so then the euro basket was played and turkey the turkish team did real good we uh, got the first ever silver medal in 2001 and yugoslavia in those days yugoslavia hadn't been split yet so uh, Yugoslavia won the gold medal and Turkey was second. We took 2005 Eurobasket women for Turkey, where our women's team did a great job. By the way, basketball academies were open to both genders and they 
it was like a balanced program, but we still needed a flagship national team to be successful on the court to inspire these youngsters to pick up basketball or if they're already playing to continue and work harder and commit. So then we went for the 2010 World Championship, which we got, and that was probably the biggest sport event, not only the basketball, but in any sport, the biggest international sport event Turkey had staged until that day. That 2010 World Championship was not just huge for Turkey, but this was a time when, you know, the U.S., for example, hadn't, we hadn't competed as well as we wanted to, you know, going back to 04, 06, you know, World Championships, Olympics. And so we sent a really talented group with a new coach, with Mike Krzyzewski, over to uh, Istanbul to, com- you know, to compete. And uh, the team that Turkey had at the time was pretty incredible as well. You had several players that were in the NBA. You had a couple of others that were playing high-level NCAA Division One. And I remember, you know, going back and forth with you about it, but I was there working for the TBF, you know. So, and the basketball embassy hadn't quite been born yet, but I was doing that work, you know. And I remember going, like, to the championship game with my Turkey uh, basketball shirt on, but underneath my Turkey shirt, I had my USA, you know, shirt because I, I was – it was the perfect final for somebody like me because it was a program that I was working in and supporting. Uh, but I also got to see my home, you know, country play and, uh, you know, people that maybe were outside of that scope wouldn't understand, you know, what a profound impact that was, but for you guys to one, secure that championship and have it in Istanbul and two to script it out, you know, beating Serbia and then playing the United States in the final game and it being a competitive game, and that was sort of the introduction to the world of, hey, there's also this guy named Kevin Durant that's pretty good. And, you know, he had a great tournament. But that was such an incredible uh, culmination of all the efforts that you've been describing, you know. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm just trying to underline that this wasn't just like a one-year effort. It was more than a decade. Right. And it was a wider development plan. So 2010 was a men's world championship. And... Again, the team did, did real well, and we got the silver after you guys, after the U.S. That was tremendous publicity for basketball in the country. Yeah. And families, children, everybody, clubs, they were all so motivated. And the same, just likewise, we said, okay, how about the women? So then we went for the women, and 214, we got the Women's World Championship to Turkey. Right. And the Turkish women uh, took the... First ever in history, fourth place, fourth in the world place in that tournament. At the same time, our grassroots activities were continuously going on. And when uh, the um, level was raised up to a global level, we were thinking of supporting Um, this level with grassroots activities, uh, which would help the youth benefit from the energy created, okay? So then we came up with the Children of the World concept for 2010. That's where the Turkish Basketball Federation invited one young girl player and one young boy player from all around the world. And because they were young, they were like 13, 12, 13 A few of them turned up 14, which wasn't our goal, actually. Because they were young and couldn't travel alone, we also said, okay, our affiliated um, basketball federation, please select a youth coach and send these two kids with that coach so the coach can bring them and he can also participate in our program. So it was open to all 2,213 members of FIBA. And eventually, 106 made it to Istanbul. So this was a 10-day program, and Chris was coached there. A 10-day program where this incredible international uh, group worked together, lived together, ate together, played basketball together. But there was also a cultural part. part. They did city tours. We went to museums to understand different cultures and to appreciate them and to develop empathy and all of that using basketball for this. 
But the goal wasn't to create champions. The goal was just to bring these young players together and competition was not in the first um, concentration. We just wanted to play ball and have fun because out of these 106 countries, there were very different levels of basketball represented. I mean, you couldn't put them all in one pool and let them play together because the capacities and talent and everything was very different. So we said, okay, this is a game. Let's have fun and let's enjoy it and that's it. And then in the evenings, we went to watch world championship games. So these kids coming from all around the world, they had a great experience for themselves, but they also took part in the world championship. And it was also good for FIBA because 24 countries officially participate in the world championship. So it's just uh, elite, those who make through the qualifying rounds. So we had the 24 countries on the court, but then we had official representatives, basketball representatives from 106 countries. So all of these kids with their national flags, flags they took, took part in the opening ceremony. And it, they, were, they officially represented their countries, 106 countries in the opening ceremony of the world championship, which never had happened until then and probably will never happen again because... Um, you can only facilitate a limited number of countries. Anyway, um, this 10-day camp, I mean, it was an incredible experience. 75 languages were in the air. You could hear them. I'm not talking about dialects. Right. Um, Like the English speak English, the British and the Scottish also speak English, but it's not the same English. It's a different dialect. It was... uh... was 75 different officially recognized uh, languages. And hearing that on the court was something that you don't, you just don't hear. You know, you got a kid passing the ball to another kid yelling something in Mandarin and that kid's catching it. And he's, you know, he's catching it, receiving it, saying something in Spanish, you know, bounce pass into a Russian speaker that hit an Arabic cutter down the lane for a basket. You know, I mean, it just was incredible. And, you know, Amir, for, for me and you and I have talked about this before. Unfortunately, we had an opportunity in 2014, you know, with Pass It On to try, you know, something similar and to do something of, of that level. But I think it was that 2010 camp that really solidified for me, like, hey, this is kind of what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, yeah. when there is an organization born that I didn't know was going to be born at that point. But I was like, this is what this is what it is. This is what we have to do. And that was just, you know, when you look back at life and you think about the few moments that really define you and your career or whatever, that was definitely one of them. I mean, we had kids from Israel and Palestine and this Palestine in the same groups. You know, we had Albanians and Serbians together. We had 17 or 18 African countries represented that some of them were, had been at war and they were participating together all in the name of this kid's game that we just really loved. And it was just, it was an incredible, incredible deal. Exactly. And that's the embassy part. Now we're coming to the embassy part of the basketball embassy because uh, basketball is very important. And we had a great group of coaches with Chris there as well. But it actually, then you uh, exhaust your basketball capacity as a coach if you can't communicate with these kids. Now, Chris will tell you how he communicated with them. Obviously, with basketball, you know, using the uh, international language of basketball i mean it's it's not easy it's very difficult you have to keep them under discipline they have to understand and it's not only on the court it's a 24-hour camp you have other sessions you have meals all kinds of city activities and keeping them together was just unbelievable i mean it was an unbelievable experience and really that's where the diplomacy comes in or the basketball those friendships that were developed, it's crazy for me to see because some of those alumni, you know, they still keep up with each other, maybe certain chat rooms or Facebook rooms or whatever. And, uh, you know, they're, they're grown up now, you know, they're not 13 and 14 anymore. Um, that was 10 years ago. So they've embarked on their playing career. Some of them have finished, some of them didn't have playing careers. Some of them went into medicine, you know, some of them went into other areas, but that single experience there, uh, really transformed, you know, the way that they looked at the world. And I think uh, that's, you know, at the essence of what you're talking about is that this game is 
intended for kids, you know, it can do an awful lot for a lot of people. Um, I just remember, you know, even working with kids, like we had, we had some kids from India, you know, for example, and I'm over there using the ball. My hands are, you know, I'm really animated. I'm fired up. I'm sweating through my shirt every day. We're in Istanbul in the summer. I mean, it was, you know, 37 degrees centigrade. It was, you know, 90 something degrees Fahrenheit every day, humid. And I remember just telling these kids from India who I loved, like they were some of the better players too. And I would say something, I'd be like, okay. And they, they would do, they would do this. And I was like, why are they always saying no? Like they, and they still go do it. So I'd say, Hey, go get some water. And they, they'd not move their head and then they'd go get water. And it took me about three or four days, you know, dumb guy from Texas. Pretty soon I realized that culturally in India, that's how they show acceptance. Where in you know, America, we're sitting here, we nod like, okay, yes. Their yes was like this. And so, you know, it was one of those light bulb moments where it's like, okay, hey, remember, man, there's a whole lot of countries out there and they do things differently. But uh, we found a way to coexist and communicate. And it was such an incredible experience. And then that, that did sort of lay the framework for, you know, a second attempt uh, when you, like what you alluded to in 2014, Amir, we saw some of the efficacy of that. We saw you guys continue to be forward thinking and press. And now you're, you're platforming a women's world championship in a Muslim country, you know, at the time where there was still some resistance to whether women's sports played, you know, the same, in the same space as men. And you, you know, you in particular, you guys were always pushing for equity. You know, there, you were always pushing for, hey, we got some really incredible, talented young women players, young women coaches. Uh, let's platform them. And they showed out great. But we ended up uh, attempting the uh, second run at, at a at a Children of the World like event, but we did it with the can't pass it on. Yeah, I mean um, the approach of the Turkish Basketball Federation, like you said, was um, equal. So whatever we do for the men, we try to do for the women as well. Um, so when two fourteen came, we had the women's world championship, and we wanted to do a similar thing. So that was can pass it on. And it, the number of countries was a little less due to budgetary reasons, because the budget of the women's game is a little less than the men's game, the number of sponsors and their capacities and everything. But we still had 76 countries with the same model. And again, we had one girl and one boy and one young coach who came with them and worked with them. Now, in the meantime... <clears throat> Our youth programs were growing. I, I'm just talking about the top elite international part, but nationally every summer we were doing our programs and our programs were growing and Chris was really contributing. And actually Chris was growing our programs and growing himself with our programs as well because it's not just coaching, like I said. I mean, in a different culture when you're running around the plateaus of Anatolia to these small towns, you it's not easy to relate with these people in Eastern Turkey. And um, he was doing a great job. And so when 2014 came, we asked him to be the head coach. So uh, you have a lot of coaches and then you have your head coach and there it's an international group of coaches. So it's not easy to govern, but he did a great job in that as well. In the meantime, we were also, we also got some support from um, the U.S. State Department development funds uh, when we were taking the game to these uh, rural areas in Turkey. Uh, <clears throat> because you might know or you might not know, in the NCAA um, center facility in Indianapolis, there's this uh, museum kind of place, and one of the top milestones is in the historical chronology. It says 1904 we introduced the game in Turkey. So uh, actually the game was introduced by Americans uh, more than a hundred years ago in Turkey. That was like around 20 years after Dr. Naismith invented the game in Kansas. But in those days, it wasn't like today. We were just playing with baskets with the bottom wasn't cut out. So after every basket, they had to take the ball out, you know, climb luckily, up the ladder. Luckily that made you, would have made you really important in mirror back in the day. Cause you could have just reached up there and, <laughs> People, people not seeing you, man. This is a six foot ten, six foot eleven dude right here that that yeah. used to yeah. do some damage. Also, I didn't mention, but you know, 
uh, we can't get through this episode without mentioning that, you know, you were the first Turkish player to come over uh, and play at the University of Evansville and, you know, helped helped be a part of the charge that took them all the way to a, a Sweet 16 appearance. Actually, we were top 20 that year in Sports Illustrated, first time in Evansville history. Yeah. And then we went to the NCAAs. In those days, it was 48 teams, not 64. But we um, matched up against uh, the market team of Doc Rivers and them, and that was one of the great teams that year. And sure. we got beat out in the first round by five points. Okay. So actually, we didn't make the top 16. We could my, have maybe my, against my another story opponent. Was better. My my. <laughs> My misinterpretation was better, Amir. We should have let that run. Now people would have called me out, you know. Uh, fact well, we respect that. We respect that market team a lot. They had a great team. And Doc Rivers himself, he became a great coach afterwards and everything. Anyway. Yeah, um, but also one of my favorite uh, st- statistics about that uh, story is the following year at Evansville, Amir goes over there and then that first year. And then the next year, there's like 35 Turkish students there. <laughs> Evansville became like the place to go because Emir Taram went there and played. And so all of a sudden, I think it opened up ever since then. Evansville has had a strong uh, Turkish student athlete or student representation. That was I mean, if I, had, if I had my vision of today, I would have gone to the president of the university and say, hey, <laughs> I'm bringing in all these students. I mean, let's make a deal or something. <laughs> Actually, it would jeopardize my eligibility probably in those days you know, because amateur rules were stricter in those days. True. Anyway, <clears throat> what I'm trying to underline is it's not just basketball. It's not just going out there, hitting your shot, scoring points, beating your defender, but it's something beyond that. You know, Our grassroots programs was based on something beyond that, being a good person. And then this is why, this is one of the reasons why Chris was so valuable for us. I mean, you guys are a great basketball country and obviously you have many coaches who are very good, you know. But what we found in Chris was not only a capable coach who could teach the game, but beyond that, a great person who could stress other personal characteristics that a good player, any person, needs to possess. And that was really very valuable for us. In one of these camps in Eastern Turkey, which we did together with the U.S. State Department support, the ambassador himself came to see. He was was saying, okay, we're supporting these guys. What are they doing? So he brought his uh, team and his press attaché and all of them, and they came to Diyarbakir, I think it was, and there were all these kids, and he was really impressed, and he was walking around the camp. There were close to 180 kids, probably, both boys and girls, and we had many courts, and it was like a 24-hour camp. They stayed together, ate together again, the same model. And when we were walking around, I was kind of taking him around, and then he saw uh, Chris with his back to us, and he, Chris didn't see her. He was kneeling close to a little girl who was actually crying. And nobody knows what the issue was. She was probably homesick or something. It was probably the first day of camp and she was uneasy, insecure, and she missed home or something. Because what we did, we would bring in kids from the neighboring cities as well. And then Chris had his arm around the shoulder of this little kid and he was explaining something. Now I'm almost 100% sure that that little kid probably didn't speak English. I mean, I don't know, I cannot swear to that, but it's probably correct. And Chris was speaking and I didn't hear as we were approaching him, I didn't hear what he was saying, but somehow he was reaching that kid because the kid was nodding. (laughs) And then as we were coming, suddenly, um, I mean, Ambassador Ricciardoni, he was a great guy and he, he was a great representative of your country in Turkey. And then he stopped me and he said, who's this guy? And I said, Chris Style, he's our coach. Because prior to that, they had asked us to accept their guidance in providing coaches for our program. And they said, look, we have good relations with the NBA as a state department. We can talk to them 
and we can bring coaches over. And I, we hadn't accepted that. We had said, look, we have a great team of coaches, Chris and his team. And uh, we want to continue with them. Thank you very much. And they actually insisted a little bit. And they tried to say, look, hey, look, we are supporting this financially. And at least what you, you can at least let us decide on the coaches. And we, we refused that, actually. And they worked with that. And they said, OK. And then this instant was so important in that respect because he suddenly stopped and he said, where did you find this guy? I said, this guy's from Texas. <laughs> And he said, look, Emir, this is actually what we are looking for. This is an excellent image of America. Actually, this is the reason why we are here. Basketball is just, it's a tool. And it's a great uh, social activity for America, but it's not the real goal. The real goal is this. And I mean, I, I was a little bit hesitant, he said, but I want to thank you. I mean, you, you made the best selection. And uh, Chris, I don't know if you know about this or don't, but that's part of it. So it's not just basketball. And then after 2014, 2015, we came to the point where Chris Dial and his organization, by then he had a lot of assistant coaches working with him and everything, and the basketball embassy was really developing. They kind of outgrew Turkey. And they stepped up into the European level. And they, at that time, they started doing uh, similar work in different countries in Europe. And from a very colorful background, I mean, from Eastern and Western Europe, right. from different historical, cultural, social, and political backgrounds, but the basketball embassy somehow managed to um, go there and be appreciated and be, um, you know, invited to do similar development programs for them. And this is important because this is the difficult part. I mean, coaching is not that difficult because development, basketball development programs for young kids, you can find them everywhere. You have a lot of books. You have a lot of internet volume you can easily click and find and you can download them and you can go out and do them. But the more important part is being able to provide value in different cultural uh, places. Right. Like Kosovo, Chris, he was so successful that he lived for a basketball season a whole winter there. He actually moved there. I mean, Kosovo is a difficult country. I don't know if anybody listening has been there or not, but Chris was really embraced there and he was asked to coach their national team, youth national team, alongside developing players and everything. And I mean, you're talking about a country who was in, at war a few years ago. Right. Well, and I can't imagine starting mm. here in any other country now, you know, in retrospect, I can't imagine starting anywhere but Turkey because of the diversity within a country. And I mean, people, if you're listening and you have not been to a place like Istanbul, you like you haven't been anywhere because, you know, that city uh, in particular is such a great representation of the country because you have. I mean, like Amir alluded to earlier, southeastern Turkey is nothing like, you know, western coast, southern coast, where you're in paradise in one place, you're in the desert in another. You have, you know, the Black Sea culture to the north, and then you've got Istanbul being the only city on our planet that's on two different continents. You really have a crossroads of culture. And so being able to navigate through a game like basketball in Turkey, I felt like, I mean, part of this was me being, you know, a little young and naive uh, from Texas, but I felt like I could go anywhere. You know, if I could have that success, build some relationships, I had the support of the Federation, you, President Demirel at the time early, and then President Demirel again with uh, FIBA Europe. But going into Kosovo, I felt very confident after having been to Romania and some of these other places uh, that we could go in and we could really establish a firm program. But like you said, it, it's so important. And, you know, people that may be listening that are charged with uh, developing a program that are trying to figure out what a macro cycle looks like. If you don't have that value, like you said, you're replaceable. Somebody else can come in and teach people how to shoot a correct jump shot. 
But if you can't develop relationships and try to inspire and motivate people to improve themselves, you know, utilizing everything that the game gives you, you're, you're not unique, you know, in that space. And I think during that time, that's when you, you know, you had also urged me to formalize this and validate this with an organization. And uh, I was actually telling, uh, you know, some of our, our, one of our board members, Mary is, is here with us. And she was asking me like, so tell me again, how Amir, you said Amir basically had pretty much everything to do with you starting the basketball. I'm seeing Amir. I don't know if you remember, you're throwing some stories back at me, but we were, it was after pass it on in 2014 and we had this big dinner. And one thing that you're really good at is big dinners, you know, and the Turks, man, they eat like the Texans, man. You know, we both love barbecue and we can put some food down, you know, and, and maybe some other things too, some, some good beer or wine. But uh, I don't remember to this day exactly who was there, but I remember it was a bunch of important basketball people and me. And I think we had some of the heads of the federations of our friends, you know, our uh, you know, Horia Pan from, from Romania, uh, maybe Georgi Gluskov from Bulgaria was there, all these, you know, former basketball guys that you were friends with and that you had also supported. Uh, you know, tour guy may have been there as well, but there was a lot of important basketball diplomats. And after, you know, a couple of bottles of wine had disappeared over the course of the table, we had gotten into that, that good Turkish barbecue, which I miss so much, especially right now. You know, you, you did what you do very well. You threw me into a spot where you're like, hey, man, you know, I got countries calling me, asking me for a, a reference, and I got to tell them, hey, I got this guy from Texas that's really good, and he'll come, and he'll get you straightened out. He'll help you. And you told me, you said, come on, Chris, when are you going to have, like, a company or an organization behind your work? You know, and I remember you were – you said it in a joking manner. Everybody's laughing, and the guys were giving me a hard time. But the reality was it was that summer that I got home. And I remember running everything through you, but – it was the concept of this basketball embassy. We're working to build ambassadors to the game through the work that we do. And uh, we had such an incredible network of support, you know? And uh, so, you know, I just, I, I want to thank you again, Amir, for all of that. And there would be no basketball embassy if you hadn't pushed, you know, pushed me appropriately to make sure that we developed an organization that was going to do just that, you know, it was going to be a little bit different. Well, thank you. I mean, I might have helped you here and there, but, it's you yourself who deserves the credit because, I mean, those two examples you are giving, Romania and Bulgaria, I mean, um, by the way, those two guys are the presidents of the federation. They are the top basketball governing people in those countries, but they still are, by the way. Right. Um, those are ex-Eastern European countries. So on a political term, they were part of the Soviet Union. Okay. And... Um, it doesn't matter what I say or what anybody else say. There's a big cultural difference. And don't think that there are many American coaches who are invited there because, I mean, it's not like going to Italy or Germany or Sweden or England where you have the same language. This is ex-Eastern Europe. And you've done camps in both of them and you've returned many times to both of them. I mean, it's not just being invited one time and okay, thank you very much and bye. Being invited back the next year and over again the year after that, that's what shows uh, the credit you deserve, Chris. That's very important. And um, there are more. Belarus, yeah. for example. I mean, you did the camp in Belarus. Besides Russia itself, Belarus is right now the, um, it's like the heartland of the ex-Soviet culture, if anything is left, or as much as anything is left of it. So, I mean, I don't think any other American coach has ever been to Belarus to do some summer camps invited or in coordination with the official basketball federation, which means more or less the government in Belarus. So, I mean, you're doing that. It's just, I mean, it's great. I mean, the basketball embassy, I have a lot of respect for you guys. And it's not only me. I mean, Two years ago, FIBA, the governing body of world basketball, and it's European continental extension, FIBA Europe, they uh, reached out to you because they had a program, five-country program, and they wanted to do a development basketball youth development program in five countries. And 
which they were funding, and they asked you to be there, you know, and you right. were like the technical director. You wanted, you wasn't running the uh, program, but you were running everything on the court related to basketball with it, and all these five countries, uh, it was a great success. And again, uh, FIBA, it's the first place they look for to bring in youth development coaches is not America. No, it's not. And, and certainly not Texas. I mean, no, no. <laughs> even no, if they get across the uh, ocean, they would probably be around somewhere in the East Coast and, you know, yeah. but For you sure. brought them all the way to Texas, Chris. And yeah, yeah, we've had some reciprocal. Yeah, it's great. have come out of that. But your reference, you know, helped a lot with that. Even some of those FIBA people. I remember being invited to one of those FIBA youth, uh, FIBA Europe youth gatherings, you know, where they bring – you know, 37 representatives or delegates into the space and they talk about youth development. And that's one thing I've thought in the past that maybe a criticism of USA basketball is that we don't, maybe we're not doing enough of that. You know, we have a, we have a numbers problem, but we also have a numbers benefit, you know, with 330 million people. You're going to find talent, you know, in this country, we have a lot of resources, but I think there's probably some measures that FIBA Europe has done. And in particular to the country that like Turkey has done, uh, that are much more efficient. But when I was there, I flew into Sofia, Bulgaria, and I, I landed not knowing exactly what I was going to get into. And it was on the, it was right uh, at the beginning of this program that you're describing, where Turkey was actually sort of a big brother, you know, a big sister to these four Balkan, you know, countries that were coming up: Macedonia, Kosovo, you know, Romania, and Bulgaria. And uh, what we were tasked to do is basically take this U14 generation put them together, uh, deliver really sound curriculum so that they could go back to their countries and sort of rinse, wash, and repeat. They could build players, you know, at the same level that Turkey's been able to do, you, you know, Serbia, Spain, you know, Greece, France, they've all figured out how now Finland, Latvia, you know, they've figured out how to really produce players. So we wanted to give them that. But the cool thing was, is I think FIBA, uh, you know, I've always credited them for being very forward-thinking um, and being very cognizant, you know, and being aware. And they understood that having this crazy crew of Americans, you know, especially coming hailing from Texas, uh, of all places, would actually, even though it wasn't written into their curriculum, but it got us that chance to do what we wanted to do, which was to break down and dissolve some of the barriers, you know, between those former former. Yugoslavian states where, you know, the coaches would get out there and they'd look at each other and size each other up and they don't want to share any information and they're not about, you know, a social network. They're not trying to build that community. And I'm over there just, you know, mixing up groups and the coaches are huffing and puffing on the first day. Like, why is, you know, we're Macedonian. Why in the heck are we in a group with Kosovo kids? That's not why we're here. I said, well, you know what, then that's, that's just me. I'm going to, I'm going to do it this way. But obviously, we, you know, over the course of that 10-day program, and it happened over the course of a couple of years, they, they got plenty of time together. And they developed an identity, you know, per country of what style of basketball that they wanted to play. But they also developed these friendships across these borders. And it's not like Romania and Bulgaria have been at war or anything necessarily. It's not like they have some crazy strife. But those people don't necessarily collaborate. You know, and now I've got Bulgarian and Romanian coaches that invite each other from Bucharest to Sofia or vice versa. They bring their kids. These little camps and everything have stemmed off of this program. And that's not in the metric for assessing the success of the program. We, we assess success and Phoebe Europe said, yeah, this was great. It went really well. Thank you, Turkey, for your help. But what we didn't continue to assess was all these relationships that were built and some that are still going, you know, not to mention the success that those what became U14, U15, those U16 teams had. You know, they had some incredible success in the European Championships based on prior, you know, performances. So it showed a raising of the level of all those kids, but it also showed this raising of awareness like you addressed in earlier where we developed some empathy and we figured out how to be friends, you know, across borders, across languages, across, I mean, that little bitty country project still represented three or four languages, represented four or five uh, uh, religions and some different political and socioeconomic systems. You know, they're not all the same. Uh, and so that, that's been 
you know, one of the most enjoyable things about being a part of the basketball embassy and what it's trying to do and some of the ambassadors that it's empowering and enabling is just to see how that light bulb comes on. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I get this. Well, I'm still going to go out here and try to dominate on the court, but I'm making some friends, you know, and I'm going to be able to look at the world a little differently, you know, maybe with less cynicism, I'll be able to, you know, kind of navigate uh, a little bit better. So it's, it's been really cool. It's, it's been, uh, it's been a heck of a journey. It's hard to sit here uh, and think talking to you that it has been 13, you know, 12, 13 years since we, since I just showed up with a backpack and a passport and you were like, Hey, you're going to four different cities in four, you know, four weeks and I'll see you. I'll see you, you know? And, uh, and we've come a long way and done a lot of different things. You know, it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Well, Amir, before I let you go, man, I wanted to see uh, you uh, personally. You you mentioned, you know, kind of formally retiring from the TBF, the Turkish Basketball Federation. You're still a consultant. I know that. I know that there's still plenty of people reaching out to you for advice and guidance. I know you still have your hands in, you know, a lot of the uh, efforts that FIBA Europe you know, is, is making, you still sit on committees, you're still uh, leaned on for, you know, advices and support. Um, it's a ton of knowledge and experience in you and you're still giving it back in those channels, but generally what else is, you know, in that and then also in your personal life, what's keeping you busy these days? Are you still lecturing and are you still doing? Yes, that? I'm lecturing at Bilgi University. That's in Istanbul. It's a, they have a great sports management school there. And I'm very happy to be doing that. Actually, um, I taught political science and uh, public diplomacy for many years. But then, uh, after I retired from the Federation, they asked me to come and teach uh, sports management. So I thought, why not? And I'm very happy I accepted. And I, it's, uh, I'm doing it happily. And I think it's very good. The last three, four months, like in the U.S., we've been online right. because universities have been closed because of the virus. But Your wife uh, is a beautiful wife to them. She's probably happy that you're staying busy and not bothering her. I'm yes, busy. probably. And the, then, um, and all of our English teachers forever. She was. To, I go over to Istanbul the first year I meet her, and she's correcting my English. You know, I'm from Texas, so she had to, she had to get me straight. Yeah, and then um, I also now uh, when I retired, I um, created my company. So I'm doing um, mainly I'm doing consultancy in social responsibility through sports. It's not for clubs or federations only, but also for municipalities, companies who want to create um, a meaning um, using sports and. It's growing in Turkey. It's not. It's not um, very big yet, but it has a bright future, and I think it's coming along. Um, the European Union has a lot of programs. The Erasmus Plus Sport Program is, <clears throat> is is very definite, and I've I've been working in that direction a little bit. So I, I can say I'm quite busy. I mean, I'd, I'm not in competitive basketball because I didn't want to go and work with a club. Um, because the success definitions are daily and the daily pressures usually outweigh larger goals or longer term goals. And I, I don't want to do that in the first place. So I, I'm working with these projects for disadvantaged children. I'm working with <coughs> social inclusion through sports. Right. You know, we have a lot of Syrian refugees in Turkey, close to 4 million, which is a lot. And Turkish kids and cultural differences and going all the way down to the empowerment of young people through sports, basketball and other sports. I mean, right before this meeting, I had a meeting with an international project with the Turkish Sports Foundation. And the project partners are from Poland and from Lithuania and from the Czech Republic. And that's a great um, initiative. I'm very proud of it. And it's just beginning, but I think it'll be great. Awesome. And um, we're going on. We're looking forward to 
continue doing some work with the basketball embassy. It's a great sure. pleasure as always. And now you have such a well-proven legacy behind you, Chris. And um, I think you have a great future waiting for you and you can do really a lot of good work. I appreciate it, Amir. Thanks. I, I'm looking forward to getting back over to uh, to Istanbul, kind of been my second home, you know, in a lot of ways. I've probably flown in and out of Istanbul uh, 75 times, you know, in the last if you come five more times, you'll be given a Turkish passport. That's what I need. <laughs> I need it. I, I tell you what, uh, I, I've told, you know, our friends here, you've met so many of our coaches, friends, family, staff. Um, but it's still funny to me, uh, you know, we'll be walking around down there by the, uh, uh, you know, just below the, the Grand Bazaar, the Spice Bazaar, that Eminu area, you know, and the, there's the bridge with all the restaurants and the the fish restaurants and and these cafes and I'll walk through with you and there'll be two or three guys every single time Emir Abi Emir Abi you know and we're getting pulled into a restaurant and they're putting a spread on and we're getting food and all this stuff because you're still such a a recognizable face and name down there I can tell you it's you because I go back by myself and nobody pulls me in their restaurant <laughs> and lays a bunch of food out there for me so thank you. Uh, it's cool, man. It's just such a cool city and you're, the Turkish uh, culture and people are just incredible. I'm just, uh, I feel so fortunate that I've made so many friends and family there and I just look forward to continuing to working um, there, not not only, you know, with whatever the Federation desires in the future, but uh, it's been fun to, to peel off and work with some of those clubs and some of those other organizations um, like our friends at sporting work and our friends with the Goulair legacy camps and, you know, just good people trying to do good things by the sport. So, um, but yeah, I, I appreciate you being on. Um, I definitely, I know that I'll be talking to you soon, but, and we're going to have some, we're going to see how this podcast goes United. We hoop and, and uh, some of the guests, I think you're going to know a lot of, we, we've got a, we've got some of your pretty distinguished friends across the pond that are, are going to be willing to hop on here with us and share. So. Um, I just want to say thanks again, Amir, for being here. I thank you, Chris. Keep it up. Keep the great job going. All right, we will. All right, boss. Take care. Uh, in Turkish, good shudus and uh, all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Good Thanks for listening to United We Hope. You can find links to our guests and the basketball embassy in our show notes. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Basketball Embassy, and we're on Twitter at B-Ball Embassy. Our host is Coach Chris Dial. Our executive producer is Mary Olman Jaffet. The podcast is recorded at Game Day Media Studios in San Antonio, Texas, USA. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.